So here's the cruel joke we're playing on a lot of our students. We're preparing you for a future that used to exist in 1970. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Mike Flynn. And if you are just joining us, I interview entrepreneurs and leaders who are using their platform to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. Each guest is part of a series such as leadership or mindset, and today it's on disruption. Disruption is definitely another buzzword in the entrepreneurial world, but it's closely related to impact. Impact, meaning to strike forcefully, and disruption, meaning to interrupt an event, activity, or process. So what exactly will we be interrupting over the next few weeks? Well, we'll be interrupting your and my thinking, the way that we think about our lives and what we are capable of achieving. We are going to disrupt the norm. These next several guests will change the way you and I think and inspire us to develop creative, forward-looking solutions to today's and tomorrow's problems and obstacles. Round three in the Disruption Series is with Don Wetrick, also known as the Innovation Teacher. Don is an innovation specialist at Noblesville High School just outside Indianapolis, Indiana. He's the author of Pure Genius, Building a Culture of Innovation and Taking 20% Time to the Next Level. Wetrick has worked as a middle school teacher, high school teacher, educational and innovation consultant, and educational speaker. Don is passionate about helping students find their educational opportunities and providing them with the digital tools they need to gain a competitive edge. Don has lectured across the U.S. and Europe about collaboration, social media use, work environments that enable innovation, and more. In addition to teaching and educating and speaking, Don is also the co-host of the popular Start Ed Up podcast. I know there are a lot of educators as well as entrepreneurs who tune into the Impact Entrepreneur each week, and both of you will gain a tremendous amount of knowledge and insight from today's conversation. So don't be a podcast junkie. Bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Don Wetrick, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. This has been a long time in the making, and I'm pumped to have you Part of the series that I'm doing on disruption. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, man. I'm excited to be here. As you know, I kick everything off with the superpower question, but uh, I'm kind of taking a new spin on that question. So are you ready? I'm ready for anything you're going to throw at me. <laughs> so if you can pick any skill that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? Uh, uh, rarely am I stumped for this long. Um, a skill that I already have, but turn it into superpower. You know what? I'm, I'm pretty good at reading body language and picking up on either positive or negative energy. Kind of like, you know, if you ever walked into a room and you could just feel the negative energy when like two people were fighting or arguing or at the same time, just be able to, to feel joy. Um, if I turned that into a superpower, I'd be able to harness that negative energy and store it uh, for any um, like battle I needed to fight. Or, or if the positive energy, as I, as I pick up on people, 
that I'd be able to um, enter a situation and just make everybody instantly like collaborate and have fun and and be happy. That'd be an interesting uh, interesting superpower. So on the positive on on storing up the positive, uh, you'd literally be able to kill them with kindness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know that's an interesting superpower. The the ability to harness the energy from body language. Speaking of body language, I think that it's not taught well enough in school, the importance of understanding and reading the signs that are right in front of you, namely body language. And since you are disrupting the educational system and teaching the next generation of entrepreneurs, how, how would you take that and, and teach them to, to begin to assess their surroundings and become more self-aware and, and are you teaching that? Okay, so thanks. What a great segue. Um, I am, I guess to answer your first question, there's so many things in education we don't do, right? A lot of this curriculum was dictated in the 1800s, 1890s, whatever. And, and I think that w- what I do is I provide a class where the student tells me what I want to accomplish, what I've always wanted to learn, but school got in my way or I never had time. Um, and, and backing up your first point, yeah, we don't have things like how to network and how to pick up on body language. Uh, so ironically enough, one of the books that I always recommend to my students at the beginning year, and, and I'm a, just a big fan of, of reading and um, podcasts and, and documentaries, but uh, gosh, one of the most basic books that ever was um, how to make friends and influence people. Yeah. Right? I mean, how old is that book? And it still is as relevant today as it was, uh, you know, back when they wrote it, what was that? Like 1940 something. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I provide basically our class is called innovation and open source learning. And the amount of things that I don't know is vast. But I do know how to um, basically teach innovative techniques, how to network with people, um, how to get my students to collaborate with people much smarter than myself, and then also to get them to work with with each other um, in ways that you know we don't necessarily do. You know, in a, in a traditional class, normally collaboration in school is you know turn to the person left to you and share answers, or and and, and that's not that dumb bashing it. There's a time, there's a place for that. But I wanted my class to be a a chance for them to, you know, if they said, man, I've always wanted to learn how to produce my own podcast, then great. Let's learn how to do it. Let's learn how to market it, produce it, upload it, you know, share it, collaborate with people, find guests, things like that. You know, we're going to dive in deeper into what it is that you are doing and how you're disrupting the, the status quo within the educational system. But tagging on to the concept or the book, the, the How to Win Friends and Influence People, I'd like to recommend that you also read uh, a book and share with your students a book called The Art of People by a guy named Dave Kirpin. He's a New York Times bestselling author, has written a, a couple different books, but this one is basically a modernized version of How to Win Friends. And he is located in New York. He's definitely a guy you should connect with. I'd be happy to connect you with him, and uh, and you guys should should collaborate because he's 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 very innovative. I'm all just, over it. Yeah, just just Google him and and Google Dave Kirpin wedding, and you'll find out more about him. <laughs> who was the mentor or coach who 
has had the most influence in your life, either as a teaching professional or just a human being? Okay. Um, I'll give that answer in three different stages. Person number one, my dad, um, who gave me the best piece of advice ever. My dad was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but that basically makes her an educator as well. And the last thing I wanted to do was be a teacher. Um, and I was three years out of college. I had a pretty good job. It's a weird calling. And I remember telling my dad, I'm like, and I wasn't asking them because they paid for every penny of my education. And I said, hey, dad, I think I want to be a teacher. He took this deep breath and said, you know, son, I don't care if you teach for the next 20 years. Just promise me you won't teach one year 20 times. Oh, wow. Huge. Actually, it didn't mean anything to me then. It means a lot to me now. Innovation to me is learning how to do things differently at all times. And what's successful, sure, you may be able to repeat it, but you still tweak it. What doesn't work, embrace it. Don't do it again. Professionally, um, I started this crazy class because I got to a good friend of mine. I'll always remember. I still kept the email. An email that just said, watch this. And it was a link to Dan Pink's TED Talk and watched it. And my crazy little ADD mind went nuts. And uh, it was during a lunch break. The very next period, I said to my then freshman English class, I'm like, you guys have to watch this. And we watched it. And um, I tried to model that. Since then, Dan Pink has had a pretty influential impact on my life. And so does, I got to also give credit, Tina Selig is at Stanford University and, and, you know, Carol Dweck gets a lot of credit and, and she's fantastic, but Tina is a tour de force of innovation and all things awesome. And, and she kind of helped us out in the early years as well. Uh, so she's been a pretty big influence on me as, as well. So what was it like? I mean, what was your thought process? Cause I I've seen that same video, that Ted talk from Dan Pink, where were you at mindset wise, right right before that, because I, this was something that you had been kind of had been sitting in you. And, and this kind of was, was this like the catalyst that, that you were like, finally, I've got to, I've got to do this. Yeah. It was the simplest of ideas that just all of a sudden, like, you know, something's good when you're like, I should have thought of that. Right. So, um, I, I was lucky enough to be able to teach this broadcasting class and I turned it into a program. So we turned it from an intro to broadcasting all the way up through documentary filmmaking. So I only had like one freshman English class. Everything else was in film and in production. And so the way this genius hour or 20% time, whatever you want to call it, ran was exactly how I already taught in filming, you know, cause I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned on the fly they kind of, you know, gave me this position and I was like, sure, I'll do it. And I just started learning by doing. When I watched Dan's talk, I thought, well, that's, that's cool. Just because, you know, my students had to be focused on filming and videography and things like that. But what about the students that said, you know, I want to learn how to podcast or I want to learn how to build an app or I want to learn how to start a company. And I thought, you know, I should have let them do what they've always wanted to do. Now, here's the weird thing. And the reason why I'm on such a mission. When I first started it, I said, okay, I mean, we got them already. I made them watch Ted talk. They thought, okay, cool. And I was like, what if we did this in class? And they're like, yeah, finally a time in the day, in the week, I can do what I want. And I unleashed them and then nothing. They were so used to being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. 
am I going to get an A on this? And I asked them, like, what are you passionate about? And they'd say, getting an A? I no, 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 no. What are you really driven by? Um, going to college, I guess. To study what? Well, my dad says I'm really good at math, so maybe I'll go into like being an accountant. And there was no passion. Yeah. There, there was no love. It was like, I'm going to school to jump through a hoop. And, 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 and that's when it all of a sudden occurred to me that everything is completely upside down. Because when I tell people, and, and this is, I love this metaphor, I was watching two kids. I'm not a gamer, okay? But we had some kids over, um, I'm, I'm a good uncle, and I was watching some, some of my um, nieces and nephews play video games. And then the joy they had when they would die. <laughs> right? So when you turn left and you get shot, you, the next time you press reset, you turn right. And kids like failure, just not in school. Because when you went to college, right, the, the, the professor would come in on the first day and be like, hey, this is going to be a tough class, but you're going to learn a lot. There was a drop ad period where you just ran and you're like, I don't want this guy. This is going to be too hard. And the guy that came in said, hey, man, I love all of you and everybody gets an A. That class was filled because you didn't have to work because we don't see learning as learning. We see it as a hoop you have to jump through. Now, you juxtapose that with ask any kid, hey, if you drop $60 on buying a video game and you beat it on the first life, not even not even the first round, the first life, you never get shot and killed. Other than a short term ego boost, no kid would like it because there's no challenge. It's not fun to try something once and master it. And so. We have a system where if you don't take a class and you don't get an A on the first try, you're, you're made to feel inferior. But is that really learning? Is, is there really any challenge there? And, and so when I all of a sudden said, hey, I don't care about the grade, they looked at me like I was on crack. When I said, hey, I want to know what you're passionate about, they're like, dude, there's no passion here. We're at school. And it's then I knew, okay, I've got a lot of work. And, and, and make no mistake about it, man. I, I, this has been a learning experience for me, too. This is my sixth year offering this class. And it has been, well, in the words of Chuck Wetrick, this is, this is my sixth year teaching it. This is not my first year teaching it six times. And each time I get something new out of it, it's wonderful. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I would imagine, I mean, this is definitely a paradigm shift, not only for the students, but also the administration, let alone the parents. I mean, what how how did what kind of pushback did you get, and and how did you handle that? Because it, it kind of it kind of ties into what was going to be my next question, which you know is is basically why the why is the system so stuck and and slow to innovate? So maybe you could talk about why it's slow to innovate and why what kind of pushback you got and how you see kind of you're getting getting me things. all fired up. Okay, here's <laughs> yeah. So the pushback is. Okay, first of all, why are we so slow? Okay, because we still are stuck in an old system where we think, and okay, first of all, I should back up. I'm not bashing college. I'm not bashing college. However, when we still measure success by an SAT score, and you can only get in here based on this, this, and that, they're accepting a, they're accepting a lot of kids that took no risks. So the kids are only playing to the rules that we've set. And so when you want to get into that quote-unquote good college, um, there is no room to be an entrepreneur. There is no room to experiment. There is no room to take a class out of. Sh I, I, and technically, the kids that first took my class took a huge risk because they could have loaded down with another AP course, right? Instead, they took this wacky course that was called Innovation and Open Source Learning. 
So that's one thing that drives me nuts is that we put so much pressure on the things that aren't relevant. When's the last time as you as a financial guy and as an entrepreneur has ever been asked, what was your S what was your SAT score? Zero. Okay, exactly. And, and yet I know so many people that are out there changing the world. And a lot of these people didn't finish college. I mean, I, I, one of the stories I quite literally was telling the story today of Ryan Holiday. The guy goes to a college, joins a newspaper staff in college to basically interview people that he thought was cool. Somehow gets to interview Robert Greene, pairs up with him, and the rest is Ryan Holiday history. He networked. He he learned from mentors. Uh, he, he wanted to create his own education. And, 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 and how crazy is it, Mike, that what I'm discussing is school the way— it should be. I, I think that there's always room for math, science, language, right? I'm not saying throw it out, but is there a part of the day that you can be driven by your own interest? Is there a place where you have some resources, a time to think, people to collaborate with that you could like, man, I've always, I don't even care if you wanted to learn how to I don't know, build a go-kart. There's no, there's no time in the day for this, in the school day for that. Well, what if there could be? That's what I want to change. And until colleges, and, and actually there has been some that, you know, they announced about a year ago, they're going to stop looking at SATs so closely. But if colleges start accepting some kids that have C's, maybe some D's, and why do they have C's? Because they were running a business or they were deciding to take a, a, a tango class. I don't know. That instead of the, you know, are you around a student, i.e., were you on prom committee, but you got your 4.3 GPA, uh, and, 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 and I'm not the bashing them. No, I, I like bad kids. I shouldn't say that. I, well, I, I like creative kids that do. But the kids that have the 4.3 GPAs, I'm sure they worked hard. I love them, too. But I hate it when we have told students for years, especially those skateboarding artsy kids. Well, you're not very smart. Oh, oh, hell yeah, they are. Well, you're not very smart. You only know how to rebuild car bears. How the hell? That's really hard to do. Well, the kid that can, that can memorize stuff and that wants to go and, and be a communications major, a philosophy major, now that's smart. <sighs> I mean, I mean, you're, bring, you're hitting on some really interesting points because, you know, the, the fact is that you are teaching not only the system, but also the, the students and the parents to learn to ask different questions uh, and, and not be stuck with the status quo. And it reminds me of a quote from your book, which is, when you lead with rules and regulations on the first day, you set a culture of limitation. And we've been stuck in, the, in this syllabus kind of a world where you, there is no room for innovation. There is no room for for being creative and and you don't think outside of the box and and i mean i just saw a, an infographic just the other day that showed the average student that goes to a four-year liberal liberal arts school comes out of school takes about a year to find a job they've got you know somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars of debt at least and uh, and their starting salary is somewhere 
around the forty or fifty thousand dollar range versus someone who went to a trade school and got right to work, has zero debt, and is 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 making seventy thousand dollars a year. I mean, they they've got a massive head start, and we've we've got to rethink the way things are being done. I'm just reading this book right now that is kind of an on the adult scale of what you're doing within the school system. And it's called the five hour workday. I mean, it's similar concept, you know, and it's super disruptive. He's actually going to be a guest on my show and part of the same series, the disruption series. And so I just think that what you're doing is so critical. Well, and, and, and that's why, um, well, two things. Thank you on that whole, on the first day of school, you don't create that subservient thing. First of all, it's just not fun. There's no way, and that doesn't work in any other industry. And shame on education for not changing. Because you wouldn't say, hi, I'm Mike Flynn, here with your podcast. But now for a disclaimer, and you read a disclaimer for 10 minutes. <laughs> you kill your audience, there's nothing there. And so when you start off school like, hi, welcome to the first day of school. Here's everything you can't do. I don't want to be there. I'm, I'm checking out. And, and, and we do, we need to change it now because here's what, and, and I'm not making this up when I say this keeps me up at night. Here's what keeps me up at night. We are moving so exponentially faster outside of education. What was Uber five years ago? What does your cell phone look like five years ago? And think about what education looked, hell, what did education look like in 1980? About the same that it does yeah, today. We, we didn't have iPads. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. And, and now we love tech. And don't get me wrong. I love technology, but it's not that's not the cure. <laughs> it's the system of what we do. We still make kids memorize the same things using an iPad. So here's the cruel joke we're playing on a lot of our students. We're preparing you for a future that used to exist in 1970. I cannot look at a child in the face and say some of the things that you're doing now are not relevant. And and it's not making me. Uh, I this is the part that I hate. It, it doesn't make me exactly well liked in some educator circles, because I think that there's some things that we still offer that's just not needed anymore. And on the flip side, there's some things that we've always offered, and I love. I, I'm not trying to say an innovation class should replace high school. It should enhance it. In English class now, good communication tools are needed more than ever. Great writers, great communicators. History, absolutely love it. Science, absolutely. Math, depending on the math subject, absolutely. But what about, oh, and we talked about this off air, how much, edu- how much financial education do our kids get? Do, do they know about investing? Do they know about how to invest or just even when to buy things on sale and how to make money, what the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA is, those kids in middle school should know that. And yet, if we don't have the time, and this is why I'm begging, and if any of your listeners out there are like, man, I want that at my school, um, call me. I, I am I am on a mission that my school is nice enough that they, they share me. I'm allowed to work with, I work with a lot of schools, and I'm trying to get this type of class in every middle school and high school in America. The, the foundations of it are in, are in elementary. And actually, you know what we do? We kind of look like kindergarten. Just stop, like quit stopping kindergarten from being fun. Or, or you know what? looks like a Montessori school. 
right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of play. Absolutely, of deep embodiment, letting them experiment, and and so I I, I want this for every school possible. Uh, shameless plug time. Um, last <laughs> la- last year, um, I was going from conference to conference, um, and I was not feeling well because I was in planes too often. And one of my students um, came up to me and said, "Your business model is so 1990s. Why are you going one conference at a time and signing books at the back of the auditorium? Why aren't you putting some of your content online? Why aren't we selling our classes online?" Wow. So my co-partner, <laughs> my co-founder is a 19. No, he just turned 20 two days ago. My co-founder, no, he just turned 19. One of my co-founders is 19 years old. And then the other two guys uh, have, have got some ed tech background. And, and they were right. If we want to sp- spread and multiply and, and get a, um, a good foundation, we have to be able to be online. We have to be digital. And, and, and that kind of thing has led, well, it's led me to you. So who are some of the biggest obstacles in your, in the way of this kind of innovation, in addition to your local administration and parents? Okay. My local administration has been nothing but killer, right? They, they, I, I am proud. I'm in a suburban Indianapolis school. It's Noblesville. And they're like, yeah, man, take these risks, do it. You know, what if it doesn't work? Well, don't do it again. So locally, I'm cool. The biggest naysayers, we're going to get in trouble. Oh, here we go. Whatever. Um, (laughs) Teacher unions. Oh, wow. I'm not saying all, but I've gotten some big, the most pushback I've gotten is, well, what if we all have to do this? Or we've never done it this way. Why should we have to do it? And, And again, I'm not saying every teacher union person. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying of what I've observed, that's the people that have that have not liked it. Now, have you? Okay, no, the, well, ahead, the, the parents. No, the parents at first were like, "What are you doing?" I don't. You know, what is your textbook? Well, um, you know, the other day we read a chapter out of Peter Thiel's Zero to One. Uh, we learned a little bit of marketing from, you know, Tim Ferriss. We've learned, a, you know, I, I I pulled a blog out by Adam Grant. No, no, no. What's the textbook? Well, there is none. So when we first started, we they just thought I was just just crazy until we started becoming more and more successful. You know, the other year we had four patents filed. Businesses have been launched. My students and I got to have gotten to speak um, all over the country. Now I don't get parent pushback. They're like, I, now they're like, yeah, I want my, I, I got more kids this year because their parents had seen me speak somewhere else. And they're like, my son's going to be in your class or my daughter is going to be in your class come heck or high water. So um, it's, there's no flack anymore. It's amazing. It's amazing. Have you seen the Prince E video suing? The oh system? my God. Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm sure you have. Oh. I'm sure you, sure you had. Bless I mean, that, that man. Bless yeah, that I man. Mean, that he, he verbally gave, gave poetry to what you have been uh, <laughs> Absolutely. talking about. And it, and not only did it strike a chord with you and everybody who watched it, but you know, I loved what he opened up with. He opened up with a quote from, from Alfred Einstein or Mark Twain or someone uh, about how everybody is a genius and that it's really important to make sure that you're shaping people's beliefs correctly. And you have a system that you you've kind of developed called called uh, the unlearning process. Can you walk through how that works and how you're implementing that 
in your classroom? Yeah, I mean, all the subservient things that you felt you, like you had to do was the exact opposite. Like, I want to know, like, everything's flipped. You know, we start off our class with, I, I am not afraid to throw the L word around. I, I love my students, right? And I will tell them, you're not here to work for me. Your parents have paid my salary so you can be successful. Not so you can memorize uh, something for a couple days and take a test. Your parents have entrusted me with your soul to make it better, right? And how can I help? And once they kind of get over that mindset of, okay, this is seriously about me, because every in the first couple of years, they were like, oh, I'm going to goof off and he doesn't even know. Yeah, I do. You know, but you're not helping yourself. I'm like, I'm here to help you. How can I do that? And, and it's, I've had some kids that like turned in the blogs and turned in the reflection and like, he, 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 I really didn't do that much. Well, you lost. And, and over time, a lot of students are starting to come around that I, I want them to fall in love with learning. We have our own methodology. You're going to laugh because you're a financial guy. Um, we call it the Roth IRA. And other than a great tax advantage savings vehicle, um, ROTH is um, realization. And, and actually, I'm getting really into flow states with Stephen Kotler. But that realization a lot of times comes about with movement. So I have my students walk, go upstairs. We start off our school day by them walking and talking. So that R is realization. Um, as soon as they're back to class, we go to O, which is open discussion. Those really cool thoughts will fade really quickly unless you go to a group discussion setting. So O is open discussion. T is for tussling. I love a good fight. Some kid will go, I've got this amazing idea. And then a couple of my students were like, no, that's not. And, and we love one another. I mean, like literally our class, we, we're a family. But when they say no, three things are going to, one of three things are going to happen. Um, the student will defend it and win. They'll defend it and see that's flaws. Or they'll both think that they're right in part ways. Either way, you've challenged them to think. And they've probably made it better, which leads to the H, which is homogeneous grouping. And not like grouping as in like, you know, blue team go over there and white team go over there. It's homogeneous grouping is, well, the best time is when the art kid and then the math kid like start arguing it out. I'm like, great, you guys go work on that project. And then comes the IRA. We jokingly call this the difference between December 31st and January 15th. December 31st, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, all these big ideas. It is fun to brainstorm. You know what's hard? Doing it. (laughs) Exactly. So IRA is ideation and prototyping. And that's ideation number one. And RA is for reflect and adjust. And every project we do is two weeks. And people say, why two weeks? Because two weeks will give you either enough time to say, I hate this. Or, you know what? I'm on to something and I'm going to give it two weeks more. But that reflective process is everything. Because when students turn in reflections to me, I don't want to know what they did right. I want to know what they struggled with. I want to know how they're going to pivot. I want to know how, like, how they're going to change it. And that's the adjustment. And adjustment leads to back to the, to the Roth. That's realization number two, where it goes to another discussion. So the Roth IRA is a never-ending cycle. I love that. That's a really powerful uh, acronym. And, and I, I love especially the tussle part because have you ever read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni? 
No, but I like the fact that you're challenging me. These are some things I haven't read, which is awesome. So so one of the things he talks about is that is to basically not be a, a, a dysfunction of a team is not fighting for your ideas, essentially, and that people are afraid of conflict. And we've been taught to avoid conflict, then conflict is a bad thing, you know, but the way you described it is not, it's, it's ideal. It's the way that ideas are, are won and and fought for and, and the, and the best one rises to the top. And it's a really powerful acronym. And I think it's an amazing lesson that you're not only teaching to these, these upcoming entrepreneurs and citizens of the world, but also you know, to their, to their, their extended community, but how can entrepreneurs that have already been through the, the school system and through the college system and are now, you know, in this, in the working system, the workforce, how can we take some of these concepts and apply them in our own lives and unlearn some of the things that, that we've already learned and it, and it takes, it's hard, it's hard, it's intimidating. And it requires a lot of effort to unlearn some of those bad habits. Well, I think by definition, if you're an entrepreneur, um, especially an innovative entrepreneur, and I think that you'll definitely know the difference, uh, is you're already unlearning all the time. If you ain't adapting, you're dying. And, and that's, just, that's just it. So if you're not picking up new skills and learning to get the feedback from your customer base, then you're probably already dying anyway. If you're an entrepreneur that you're always doing the same old thing, um, you know, you're, you're running your dad's business that's always ran the same way and that's always the way, then, then uh, you know, life's different for you maybe. I don't know. But the learning process is something that I love. I, I can't stand it when I hear students go, well, I, I'm almost done with school. What they're saying is I'm almost done with learning. No, you're not. I mean, I, dear God, I love it. And my parents, it drives me nuts, but they'll call and they're like, Donnie, um, I'm having trouble with my phone. Could you come over here? And I'm like, oh, and I want to get mad. And I'm like, no, dude, my dad's 70. How old am I? My dad's 74 years old and he still wants to be good with technology. Yeah. And if you ain't learning, you're dying. So um, have that pursuit of lifelong learning and um, and be a complete novice. I, I What is that old? Was it? Was it Elder Roosevelt that said, do something every day that scares you? Yeah. Pick up a new, pick up a new skill, be a part of a, a brand, get to, oh my gosh, I can't, okay, I know I'm uber geek, but you know what like fun to me is getting a group together and brainstorming, coming up with ideas. Like it's one of the things I just, I can't quit teaching. You know, I, you know, I, I, I did the book. You can do the lecture circuit thing now you can do, I can't, I love it. I get paid to work with kids who are going to be a lot more successful than I am. Awesome. They'll buy me lunch someday, but I get to, (laughs) I get to sit around, I get to brainstorm. I get to watch them prototype. I get to test out things. I'm living my dream. And again, I want to change education. I want more people coming up through the education ranks that this class will be in every school in America. And you'll get to do what I do. It's so awesome. Oh my gosh. That's powerful. Thanks man. When you were um, when you were growing up and watching your dad teach, and you weren't aware of his his whole uh, don't don't teach the first year twenty times, were you kind? Did you have an awareness that he was doing something different within the 
the institution? Yeah, in a way, only because um, my chest would stick out and my shoulders would be thrown back when I'd go to the mall and people would say, your dad. And then they'd give me a like, you know, a story of that teacher. Oh, wow. My dad's that teacher. Oh, um, that's cool. I, I, I like right now I'm getting goosebumps. Uh, um, my dad cared and he still does. Right. He's been retired for some years now. But yeah, I knew he was doing something differently. But in the same sense, here is one of the oldest things about teaching. And I know that you probably know this. Students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. My dad cared. And on that foundation, I thought I'd be a pretty damn good teacher because like, I like people. <laughs> you know? And so was he doing anything innovative back in the, I think he started teaching in 1965. Was he doing anything innovative in 1965? Not really. Ironically enough, he was a shop teacher in the glory years of shop. And then, and it disheartened him because these, these guys who were going on to be engineers and architects, all of a sudden somewhere along the, I think like early eighties, will shop classes for the hoods. And then more and more people started to shepherd these kids into, and not that there's anything wrong with, but, but a, a lot of industry start missing out on some really great kids because somehow machine shop was lesser than somehow mechanical drafting was lesser than, and, and, and God bless people like Mike Rowe who have since gone, are you kidding me? <laughs> and to your point earlier, going to a technical school, learning how to do some of these awesome things and, um, and being employable. So. You know, I, I think you, what you said about your dad really hits the right note in terms of we all want to be looked at that way. We all want to be remembered that way by somebody, by, you know, somebody saying, you know, bumping into you or, or a family member or a friend or a colleague in, in the mall and saying, Don changed my life. Mike changed my life. Mike had a tremendous impact on me. Don had a game-changing impact and set me on this trajectory, you know, and that's, that ultimately the, is the, is the, is my definition of success. It feels pretty good. <laughs> uh, if, if my favorite thing is, and I'm going to not try to get choked up talking about it. Every June I get father's day cards. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's gotta be just so powerful to see the impact. So many people in the world don't get to see what you get to see. They don't get to see the fruit of their labor uh, in the way that that you do. And and it's amazing. And if this if institutions, whether they be educational institutions or corporate institutions, wake up to the reality of the talent and the human potential that they are managing, just think of the amazing things that that could be accomplished. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to think. Think if we think if we started seeing our schools as a place where you can get things done, not in theory, but in, in real life. Yeah. I mean, actual. Yeah. You could, you, my, my students can be outsourced. I mean, my students are now creating things for other people and, and actually, and for themselves as well, because they have time and they have resources. I mean, I've got some really talented kids, but there's nothing special. God forgive me about central Indiana. Kids all over the United States are freaking talented. Yeah. We just might not have given them 90 minutes and material and resources. That's so awesome. If there's one thing that you want listeners to remember from our conversation today, what would it be? I can't change education on my own. 
a lot of people want to, we all talk about how it needs to be reformed. Get active. If you're a parent, you should be angry. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you're a parent, you should be concerned. Um, a lot of people don't know how to help education. I'll, I'll help. If, if you want me to, to, to talk to a superintendent and there's there's more of us coming, man. That's the other thing that we're actively doing. We're finding those people that also want to help change education. And the great tipping point of this all is, is that I am so and a lot of teachers like me are so massively transparent. If you want to know what's going on in my school, I'll periscope. I, 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 I matter of fact, if you're listening, assume that I'm lying. Follow me on Twitter. Watch my Twitter feed, and and it's always an update on what we're doing in class. It's a Periscope, live Periscope, where I'm showing people what my students are doing that day. Um, heck, just today, <laughs> and I, I don't know when you're going to release this podcast, but today was nothing but today was marketing. You know how how do you network and how do you market some of the things that you're doing? And so we took to Twitter all day and started reaching out to people that we find influential and that we want to work with. So um, if if you want to help education as parents, or if you're a student yourself, or you just have a soft spot for education, uh, mentor, provide some time. What sort of insights do you have that schools would kill for? And if they're not interested, if your local school is not interested in working with you, even though you have a talent. I know a lot of people that would take you up on it. So hit me up at Don Wetrick. <laughs> Who would be some of the your dream collaborators when it comes to building an innovation coalition? It's funny you say that because he just, oh, so I'm going to not sound like a fanboy and giggle. Tim Ferriss just reached out to me today. No uh, way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, let me look on my Twitter feed uh, two and a half hours ago. Um, yeah, Tim. Uh, okay, and the other, I found the guy that shook me to the core. There is a guy named Naveen Jain. Oh yeah, uh-huh. the guy. Good I, shot. He's he's amazing. His insights are incredible. He's just about ready, ready to literally and figuratively launch Moon Express, where they're going to send. Basically, they're going to harvest minerals from the moon. Um, the guy is a tour de force. Um, Peter Diamandez, who also helped start X Prize, uh, Stephen Kotler, who I'm lucky enough to work with, um, is just rocking my world. Ryan Holiday, I want to be able to reach out to because all these guys embrace learning. I mean, Tim Ferriss, I mean, that's all the guy does. I want to pick up a new skill. I want to see how fast I can learn something. Guys like that. Another guy that really helped me set me onto the path was uh, Tom Bilyeu, who started Quest Nutrition. He's got a killer podcast and show called Inside Quest. All these guys embrace constant, constant learning. And oh, and 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 and, and just to balance it out, because I listed four guys, um, and you're gonna laugh. Alanis Morissette. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I isn't it ironic. Don't you think? Um, thank you. Which is another song. I've listened <laughs> to her and her opinions. She homeschools, and I understand why. Um, and I love. She completes me. I, I, I like her lyrics. She seems to be a really cool person. So she's on my team as well. Right on. Have, so out. Of, so you've you've made contact with Stephen Kotler. Yeah, and, I talk to him quite often. He's amazing. And, and Tim and Tom. Tom was a previous guest on my show. Also, no way. And, and uh, have you connected with Naveen and Peter? Yeah, I'd, I'd say Naveen 
is the most, uh, he is the fastest to get back to us. Um, he, here's how great of a guy this guy is. Um, we watched Inside Quest, uh, the episode with Naveen on it, and my students watched it and their mouths were agape. And I was like, you know what? And this was this is one of my cool stories. So I was, I was like, you know what? Let's do this. I wanted to show them the power of reaching out for mentors on social media. So we're watching Naveen on this big screen. And I take a picture on Twitter of my class watching Naveen. Three minutes pass. He favorites it. I pause the video. Hey, guys, he just favorited our, our tweet. They're like, no way. <laughs> so I'm like, well, it goes on. All of a sudden, he follows me. I'm like, no. I want to, I'm, I'm so wanting to DM him right away, but I play it cool. And so <laughs> a couple minutes pass, and uh, I finally DM him. I'm like, thank you so much for following me. And he writes back, it is an honor that you're showing them my interview. And I tell my like, guys, I DM'd him. And they're like, ask him if he'll want to Skype. So here we go. I, you know, like, hey, my students want to know if you'd be up for a Skype call. He says, absolutely. And I write back tomorrow. And he goes, yes, tomorrow. And wow. the first thing he did, he got on Skype and he's like, hey, in the next hour or hour and a half or whatever it takes, I want to be able to answer some of your questions. And if we run out of time, I can call you tomorrow. Now, I've talked to some people that are pseudo celebrities or kind of up there and they look at their watch and they're like, you have 10 minutes, kid, go. This guy, he, I love him. I love you know, him. The, 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 one of the things, I, my favorite parts of that story is the fact that you taught your kids an amazing lesson, which is to just ask because there's, there's so little to lose. You know, you, you'll never know. I mean, the worst possible thing is that you get either a no or silence and, and you've, not, you've lost nothing but you've had the potential to gain everything. And, and it's inc an incredibly powerful lesson that they will carry for the rest of their lives. And so will the listeners of this show. Well, Don, we're, we're coming to a conclusion on the show. And I just really want to uh, honor you and say thank you for, for being on the show and for doing what you're doing, because there aren't many people like you. And uh, hopefully one of your students, uh, creates a, a cloning machine where, where uh, they can clone you um, so that we can have a Don Wetrick in every, every uh, elementary, middle school, and high school, and college, uh, and maybe even some, some uh, you know, professional organizations around the world. So I just w really want to say thank you for being uh, on the Impact Entrepreneur Show today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. How can we connect with you? What, where can we send listeners to interact with you. I know you said Twitter. Yeah. Where else? Yeah. So, um, you can, uh, Twitter's at Don Wetrick. Um, Facebook is the same thing. Um, start at up innovation.com is the new site. Um, I will have a podcast of my own, which watch this, this is the hard close. You're going to be on the show, correct? Absolutely. Okay. See there, that was pressure. Um, I'm launching a podcast on my own. I've got about five in the, in the hopper and, and about 10 more to do in the next week. Um, so that will be kind of a cool thing. You'll be able to see that. Um, we also, uh, man, I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say that we are, we're on Periscope. Uh, we want to be transparent. We want to show people what we do and not just talk about it, but, um, show it. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show. We will include all of this information all of these links, as well as links to your amazing book in the show notes page. 
where everybody can access this this stuff and share it with all of their friends and family and community and educators. Well, thank, oh yeah, my gosh, uh, my publisher will be mad. Yes, pure genius creating a culture of innovation. Uh, wow, <laughs> sad. Thank you. Don't worry, I mentioned it in the intro. <laughs> all right, man. Again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Don, thank you for being a guest on the show today and for educating us on how we can all benefit from making room for innovation from the classroom to the boardroom. If you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash five zero for the key highlights of our conversation. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Lawton Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them. And until next time, go make an impact. Go make an impact.